Happy Monday. It's March 1st. I'm Todd Brinker. This is Back from the Brink. Aaron will be joining us momentarily. Today's a good day to water your plants. I've decided to add that in as a feature. I water my plants about every three days. So on the days that I water my plants, I'll let you know it's a good day to water your plants. So if you haven't done it yet, you know, it's a good time. Maybe, you know, put on the podcast while you're walking around feeding your little little green buddies and uh, and and make them happy and healthy. I, I'm not very good at that kind of thing that, yeah, that, you know, like, don't forget to do it every three days. I had to put it on the calendar. I literally have to put it on the calendar to remind myself to go and and water every three days or so. And so, you know, I don't always follow it exactly on the calendar even, but at least it's there as a reminder so that they don't go for a week. And then I go, did I water the plants? And I go to look at some of them and they're like dry and crispy. That's bad. Um, but I was gifted some pepper plants. So I have some hot peppers and well, one's kind of hot, one's kind of a sweet pepper. Um, uh, and I keep them by my shack out back studio. So I see them every morning as I come and go. And, uh, and I, I want to keep those healthy and happy because I really enjoy the fruits of their labor. And uh, as long as I can keep the birds away from them, I'm a good guy. I'm good with it. And so, And I got a growing vine on my patio that I want to keep growing. So, uh, yeah, it's always good to, uh, to water and fertilize occasionally, right? Keep, keep the plants healthy and happy. My little contribution to the planet and, uh, and to my taste buds. Yeah, so... Anyhow, um, let's see what were we, <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about tech stuff and Aaron was talking about maybe getting a desktop computer and I had suggested to her that the M1 Macs are significant enough change from the Intel based Macs that if you're going to get a, an Apple computer, which I, she is a user of, um, that although the actual visual experience of, of working with the computer is not going to significantly differ, that that I would not buy the older technology unless there was a compelling reason to do so. If they were on sale significantly cheaper or if there was some, um, uh, you know, compelling reason to buy an Intel-based Mac, then I might. But that at this point in time, they have three M1 Macs out and others soon to be announced, uh, in the, at least sometime this year, I would hesitate about buying the older technology Unless, and this is a big caveat, unless you as a computer user rely on a piece of software that you can verify has not yet been updated and compiled to run for the M1s. Now, the M1s will run a lot of Intel software in an emulation mode, but uh, it's not 100%. And so you need to verify that your software will work on an M1 Mac if you happen to use something that's outside the normal, you know, Microsoft Office, Adobe Suite, um, uh, milieu of apps. You know, clearly everything from Apple will run in both places. But, uh, you know, if, if you use a, um, a less popular um, uh, word processor like Scrivener or something that, um, that you know, is, is designed for writers, you might verify and i don't know if scrivener is available on the m1 or if it runs on an m1 in an emulation mode or not but something to be aware of excuse me ah big sneeze it's been a little windy here it's kicking up dust causing a lot of um, allergy issues for me um but uh you know i mean most of the software that i use 
is kind of standard fare, and for the most part, I believe it all runs on um, on uh, on the Mac M1, regardless of whether it's Intel. Again, apologies. I'm I'm a little sneezy this morning. Up oh, here's Aaron. Let's have her join us. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, right. uh, let me apologize up front. I have sneezed several times already this morning with the wind that we've had here in the Southland recently. Um, it's making me a little more sneezy. It's just uh, my allergies have kicked up a bit. And so uh, um, if I suddenly disappear, it's just because I don't want to sneeze into the mic. Um, I was okay. talking about about uh, just continuing the conversation about... Uh, uh, you know, computers, desktop computers, and whether or not it makes sense to get a, uh, a an outgoing Intel-based Mac or a, um, uh, you know, get a, a new Mac based on the M1 chip or wait for one of the newer iMacs based on the M1 chip. And, you know, there's lots of options out there. Um, but uh, something I didn't mention was that there are a good number of of uh, pieces of software that were written for the Intel that will run on the M1 chip just fine. They have a, a, a translation layer built into the operating system called Rosetta 2 that will allow them to run. And in fact, in some head-to-head um, uh, competitions, the the M1 was sufficiently fast enough that it could run the emulator and run Intel software faster than the current Macs can run Intel software, which is pretty astounding. <laughs> wow. But... Um, but it's a significant enough architecture change that I would say at this point during this transition that uh, you probably don't want to buy one of the Intel-based Macs unless there's a compelling reason to do so, unless you can identify a piece of software that you must have that doesn't work on the M1 yet, um, or or if there was a um, you know significant cost decrease in an Intel, which Apple has not done at all, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't get it from somebody like Best Buy or Amazon cheaper. Um, but, you know, just warning those who are in, in your boat thinking about it or shopping for uh, for Macs to, to just be aware of that that pretty significant architectural change that they're in, in the process of doing and and make a, you know, decision that's best long-term for you. Yeah. So I think waiting makes sense. And I haven't completely decided that I'm getting one. I just, uh, mm-hmm. I, I really, I, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm strongly considering it. Right. I use a desktop computer at home. I mean, I have a laptop and since we've been at home, I use the desktop more and more. Um, but you know, I've got a really big screen in front of me and so I have multiple windows spread across it so I can jump between different applications and things fairly quickly. And, um, and also, it's nice to just be able to put the type nice and big in front of me if I want to, because you know my eyes aren't what they were when I was twenty. So, uh, um, you know, there's advantages and reasons that people who are working at desks use desktop computers. <laughs> so that said, you know, if I mean, if the uh, storage and, and memory are a limitation for you, it wouldn't work. But otherwise, you could just plug your Mac into a monitor and plug in a keyboard and mouse and use it sort of as a desktop computer and get a bigger screen that way as well yeah and honestly probably for most of what i do um that that would be good enough mm-hmm. um yeah although maybe not yeah know. you know and, i mean you're, as, you're, only you like know I what said, what you're using and what go ahead 
once we end up going back to work, it doesn't matter because I'll be using my stuff at the office. Yeah. That said, though, even when you were working in the office on a nine to five, you brought a lot of work home to work, too. And so having a workstation that you can go to and be the place you work, um, there's something that's, I think, mentally nice about that. Because if you have a laptop, you tend to say, well, every time I'm sitting down, I have a lap. Let's put a laptop on it. And it makes it harder to make that break of work, you know. Whereas yeah. if you have a desktop, you go there to do your work. And then when you're relaxing, you, you're you're less inclined to say, oh, let me just grab my computer and sit here and do some work while I'm doing this. Because then you never really make the break. And I think that's a trap that um, a lot of people have fallen into during COVID is that, yeah, I'm working from home. But now I'm also just working pretty much all the time. You know, anything pops into my head, I start doing it. And it, you know, and I end up putting in 10 hour days when I didn't really intend to, you know. Yes. So and you, all of a sudden um, you realize you have no life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, it's it having a desktop computer, that paradigm shift allows you to make a mental break and say, you know, I'm over there doing work wherever you set it up in your house. You know, what's your whatever's your office area. And, and when you're not sitting there doing work, then you can step away and say, and now I'm just being me and I don't have to think about that. It's over there. And if I want to go do that, I go back over there. But, you know, just that little bit of separation mentally, I think, helps um, help people kind of draw lines because uh, it's just it's really easy to sit down and have a laptop right there and be on your lap all the time. And, you know, when you're air quotes not working. You know, you can be browsing around doing whatever you want, but then you seem to somehow go back to doing work stuff all the time. And you're always, you know, you, you feel like it, when the computer's in your lap, if an email comes in, you then have to respond and deal with it. And, and you know, in, in a more nine to five environment, you might have picked that up the next day. But now you're just doing it because it's there literally in your face. And so, you know, I don't know. I think I think that as we you know, that's one of those changes we were talking about, you know, in Peggy Noonan's. Um, uh, expose was that that uh, there's a lot of changes that, that are very subtle that we haven't quite got our heads wrapped around but I think that's one that people need to really spend some effort learning to, to say okay well if the new reality is that I'm working from home a lot uh, then I need to figure out how to do that in a balanced way because it's not easy yes yeah you know? it's not easy and employers are going, yay, we're getting lots of extra work done. We expect, you know, no wonder productivity went up. It's because you work all the time now. <laughs> and that's not sustainable. No, no. People are at some point going to rebel back and go, wait a minute. I'm working an extra, you know, instead of an eight-hour day, it's a 10 or 12-hour day. you got to pay me more. <laughs> You're not paying rent on anything anymore. <laughs> Give the money to me. Um, yeah, and that'll be an interesting conversation over the next couple of years as as we realign how we get stuff done so hmm so uh cuomo has apologized for jokes that were misinterpreted uh -huh. i didn't do jokes. anything i'm not a bad guy they just jokes didn't understand eyes. me exactly yeah the uh two women who have uh, uh accused him uh, I'm sure didn't uh, think they were jokes at all. There's, there wasn't a joke to be misunderstood. You were a slime bag, and you put your hand where I didn't want it. Uh, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of Cuomo, and I think that he's. It, 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 I don't know what the catalyst was, but I think he's probably been treating people pretty horribly for a while, for a long time, and yeah. for whatever reason, things are people are pushing back now, and I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of the pushback is, um, quite frankly, that that people saw him getting like a lot lauded and patted on the back for having been this genius of COVID right in the middle of COVID as if he had done something right. And and there was a lot of pushback on that from everybody kind of going, well, wait a minute. The numbers don't say that he did anything right. In fact, the numbers say that his his state stinks, that they've done things horribly. Yes. And and he's made some terrible decisions. And so a lot of people are now just piling on that going like, well. Yeah, not only that, he's not a very nice guy. You know, he's done this and this and, you know, and it's like, um, you know, and, and anybody who's in the public limelight, not to defend him at all, because I'm not a fan either, but anybody who's in the public limelight, you know, you, you've got a target on your back all the time. You know, the people who don't like you will attack you on any front just to take you down because they don't like you. Um, but that also doesn't mean that you didn't give them ammunition to do that because you did something foolish, you know, or, or bad or outright illegal, which in some cases, you know, people of people in the popular culture do. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'll all play out eventually, but, uh, but him trying to be the golden boy of having handled COVID the right way was laughable at best when they tried to push it on the public. And, uh, and, uh, you know, that sort of fell apart. And, and so now we're seeing that, yeah, not only did he not handle COVID right, apparently he's a pretty nasty person to work with. You know, so. Yeah, well. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> so Johnson & Johnson is um, has a, a one-shot yeah. um, uh, approval like Saturday, vaccine. right? Yes, but they're they're going to be moving into another um, another level of trial that they're going to include younger teenagers and then infants, and mm-hmm. that 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 scares me. So according to the New York yeah. Times, uh, the FDA officials who reviewed the emergency authorization material at a meeting on Saturday uh, discussed J and J's future trial plans. This is according to the Daily Wire. Those plans include conducting trials for healthy children between 12 and 18 years old, and then all children up to 18 year olds, including newborns, to analyze safety and immune responses. Um, and, you know, I, I this, there's significant ethical concerns about doing this on infants. Um, yeah. And, and any child, to be honest with you. I, I yeah, I was going to say, what, the, I don't see a difference between an infant and a 10 year old. They, neither of them have the capacity to understand, you know, the repercussions of, of doing this or not doing this and what might or might not happen so yeah i i don't know it's it's scary you know i mean parents got to do what they think is best for their kids and you know it's like thus far it seems like it has the the covet has been less um less brutal on kids when they when they do catch it but there have been kids who have caught it and died too so you know so as a parent what's the that, right thing J&J to do also plans to to test its one-shot COVID-19 vaccine in pregnant women, and then later in another clinical study, immunocompromised individuals. So, hmm. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I suppose they have to, right? I mean, that's that's part of clinical trials. It just it, it just mm-hmm. makes me very nervous. I don't know that I yeah. would sign my, my baby up for something that the baby likely wouldn't die from 
um, you know, I, I just, I just, yeah. I, as a parent, I don't think I would do that. Well, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a scary, scary thing, right? It's, it's a, I, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I don't know how I would feel about that. I mean, you know, it's, uh, and in, in fact, I know there are some women out there who are of, you know, childbearing age who, who haven't yet had any kids who are saying, I don't know that I want a vaccine because I don't know what it might do to, to my, you know, someday unborn child. And so I want to wait and see. And so they're saying they don't necessarily want vaccines, you know, and, and you can't say there's no basis for them to be concerned because it's so new and, and it was approved so quickly. We have no idea knowing, you know, how many people have gotten the, the, uh, the, um, shots, then gotten pregnant and had a baby and so that we know that they were okay. I mean, it, I don't think that it's even been out nine months. Oh, so, it has been out, so, it's been out two yeah. months, three months. But, but I'm saying even in trials, you know, I mean, I don't think nine months ago they, they were even in enough trials that we could have said, okay, here's, you know, a 20-something who has since gotten pregnant and, and had a child, and we know that that child was safe and doesn't have any ill effects of that vaccine. We don't, you know, it's just like, if, if there are any, there it's a handful, you know, um, and, and I, yeah, like you, I'm, I'm not sure there were, are any, so I understand the fear, you know, I guess you got to balance that against the fear of, you know, how risky is your day to day? You know, I, uh, I mean, I've got a daughter who's in healthcare. Her day to day is considerably more risky than, than mine, you know? Yeah. So, so her getting the vaccine I think was is a good choice um but uh but you know you you always have those horror stories right of uh, was it thamal th- th- uh, I never remember the name of the, the drug thalidomide giving thalidomide thank you you know back in the 50s then they thought it was fine until you know months later when people started having babies with horrible deformities and then you went like oh my gosh you know and uh and so that's in the back of everybody's mind. Anytime something new happens, especially if it's been rushed through, is to, you know, and and a vaccine that is grown from a virus is not like a drug that was developed. You know, I mean, they're different. They're different processes for creating them. You know, I get that, but uh, you just don't know until you know. You know, which is why they do all the trials. So. Doesn't mean you want to be the volunteer for the first guy in line at the trial, though, right? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. So here's a scary story closer to home. <coughs> Excuse me. An 18-year-old San Bernardino gang member was arrested on Thursday um, after police say he shot at two men, killing one because he didn't like the way they looked at his girlfriend while they were in a liquor store. So, well, that's a good reason to get upset. Yeah, so the shooting Not. happened um, at about 10, uh, about 10 minutes to 11 on February 24th. This is on Wall Avenue. Um, uh, Clarence Wimbish, who uh, was 41, and a 34-year-old male, like a friend, was walking with him. And um, a black car pulled up beside him. The driver confronted them and then fired. Wimbish was killed, and the other man was not injured. Um, Gilbert Ruiz was, was the shooter. Um, and uh, he's a self-admitted gang member. So it just, he was jealous. And so, yeah, yeah he, he killed a man for that. Holy shnikey. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you think, how childish and immature is this guy that he, he 
wigs out because somebody gives somebody a funny look and and, and then decides that that's going to cost them their life. Yeah. I mean, what a child. It's horrifying to think that somebody yeah, and and I, you know he's not the only one walking around who would behave that way. But wow. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. Huh. Crazy, right? Crazy, crazy. So the moral of the story is don't look at anybody ever. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Walk around with your eyes closed, bumping into things. <laughs> yeah. Of course, if you bump into somebody wrong, they might get upset too. So, so open your eyes. Just don't look. <laughs> I don't know. Can't live your life that way, but wow. So um, in Australia, some, uh, some shepherds, some sheep herders, some people found a sheep a, that had kind of gone feral and he was out in in the in the woods and so they uh were able to to capture him and bring him in because he was having health issues he had nearly 80 pounds of wool on him he had not been shorn in several years apparently <laughs> and uh and so yeah the 80 pounds of wool um that were on him were blocking his eyes so he was having difficulty seeing and causing him to have some leg and hip problems because it was too much weight for this poor sheep to be hauling around. Oh my god. And I'm gosh. thinking don't sheep naturally shed that stuff somehow? Apparently not. Apparently at least on domestic sheep that's been bred out of them and so they they just it just keeps growing. And so if you don't shear them every once in a while, it can it can really hurt them. So this poor sheep they said was actually by the time they shore uh, all the, the the wool off of him was underweight and and uh, and had some health problems um and clearly I mean he, he was having difficulty seeing at this point because his his wool had grown up over his face. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They said that there was enough wool on him to make 490 pair of socks or 61 sweaters on one sheep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They named him Chris. <laughs> Chris. Okay. That's wow. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine? It's, no. uh, he's a, um, a big fuzzy boy. Huh. I guess I never, I, I didn't realize that, that, uh, that 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 they had to be sheared that they that it was absolutely required for their survival i just assumed that you know that that in the wild sheep would somehow shed their wool right i mean it's not like there aren't wild sheep but apparently the domesticated sheep has lost the ability to to shed their wool and so uh if we don't shave it off it can eventually kill them because <laughs> they can't Holy move yeah and uh, and this poor guy was getting real close to it, so uh, his haircut looks about as bad as Sean Penn's. <laughs> Not quite, but about as bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sean Penn. Hey, you know, on the on the radio show, you mentioned that that the the uh, the I guess it was AT and T is your service provider had said that that you that it's the wires in your house. Yes, that they're saying is an issue. Yes, um, I, I I have questions. I mean, you, your house is not uh, is not wired for distribution of internet. You use Wi Fi in the house, so they're just talking about the wire that runs from the street to your demark point in your in your house is what's so it's that yes. one wire 
Okay. Yes. And they're saying that's your responsibility, not theirs. Well, I mean, they're saying that that's probably where it, it came from. That's that it. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about other ways to run the wire. Okay. So. Okay, so maybe if they're talking about other ways to run the wire, then they're saying it's their responsibility. Because to my understanding, it's their responsibility right to the demark point. And in your house, that would be where well, you connect your, your pay, router. We're going to have to pay them, Todd. We're going to have really? to pay them to fix it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I mean, unless you got a better idea. Well, no, I it just it just seems you know, they have a a a, a um contract with the city and or, or and or county where you live to be the service provider. And so they it's their responsibility to provide the service to the demark point, which would be where it attaches to their router or to the router in your house. And um, so that should be their cost and their it just doesn't seem quite right to me. That's all. Um, And, you know, I mean, I would double check with what the rules are. They may be telling you that they want to do that and that they're going to charge you. And I'm, I'm not positive that that should be the case, you know, because that's also your phone line. And, you know, if your phone broke down, they're required to make sure that you have working phone line to your house. And, okay. Uh, well, I, 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 we can talk know? about this at another time. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just and, and I'm just thinking that for 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 you know public for other people too. And 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 you know somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems um, that you know like a utility, it's the kind of their responsibility, right? I mean, I know that like you know electric if it comes in electric where it hits your property, is and it's not when it just floats over the property line. It's when it actually is connected to something on your property. They're they're responsible up to that point. So, like, in some houses, there's, like, a power pole on the property, and the power runs to the pole, and then from there it goes to the house. Well, anything from as soon as it touches the pole, which is on your property, then their responsibility ends because they brought it to your property. Others, it comes to your house, so their responsibility ends at your house um, for electrical. So, yeah, I don't know. But but everybody's got their meter on their house, too, which is always weird because they're responsible for the meter, even if there was a pole on the property. So there's a lot of weird rules around that. It just I, I don't know. So I could be completely wrong, but it just sounded a little wrong to me. So it's worth checking out. And if anybody has a uh, similar situation with utilities, um, you know, it's, it's good to know before you pay. But you obviously are in a situation where you also have to have working Internet. So, um yeah, I would. I, I I was looking at um, uh, Starlink, which is a company that's owned by Elon Elon Musk, and it's low altitude satellites that will be able to give you high speed internet, and it's now available in our area. Um, Seriously, but yeah, and so you have direct satellite, and because they're low altitude, there's not a long. Um, uh, what do you call it? Not a long. Um, some delay like the signal going back and forth to the satellite and so um i'm blanking on the actual term for that there's a term for latency there's low latency and so um uh i was looking at that as an alternative because i'm not thrilled with our uh internet service either and and it's fast but it's and the service itself isn't that expensive but you have to buy the the dish and and hardware and so it's about 400 or 500 dollars startup cost but once you do that, then you have uh, direct satellite internet, 
and you don't have to worry about wires running to your house. You just have to make sure you have a, a, a clear look at the sky, you know, wherever you put your dish. Um, but I assume that it's much like satellite television in that, um, you know, if there's um, not necessarily cloud cover, but if there's like electrical interference because of a storm or something above you, that that could then cause some Internet issues. Um, and, you know, if there's tree branches that block its view in any way, then that will obviously cause Internet issues as well. So, but I was very intrigued. I was thinking about it, but then I saw that there was that, that startup cost. Cause I thought, well, it'd be kind of cool to have, you know, a, a, a faster internet that doesn't rely on wires in the ground, which sounds, you know, very 1950s. Um, but, uh, but there is that, that little bump to get over on the front end. So, yeah. Huh. You know, yeah. and we're the- theoretically, we're all going to have, you know, 5G access at some point, too. And so you'll be able to buy home Internet from um, uh, from your like phone service providers. Um, I know that uh, that Netgear makes a version of their Orbi mesh um, networking system that has a router that's a 4G router. So instead of attaching to, you know, an AT&T or a Comcast and having the, your Internet come in, it gets the signal and of course you have to be at a location where there's a good signal but it gets the signal from uh t-mobile or at&t they don't work with verizon right now but t-mobile or at&t and uh and so that's your internet connection so (coughs) excuse me sorry presumably those companies would hopefully have some special plan for these home-based internet because you know if you're paying for a a uh a five gigabyte plan that goes pretty quick if you're streaming any video at home so you don't want to use your you know your standard phone plan as your internet connection exclusively at least with you know your the, the way they're normally structured so i don't know so, we're seeing a lot of change in that area yeah it'll be um there has to be a better way we've had discussions in uh and at work about, you know, about universal Wi-Fi for um, uh, like cities or school districts or, you know, other government authorities uh, providing that for their people to mm-hmm. facilitate um, uh, commerce, essentially. I mean, it's as it's as it is. It's well, as needed as putting down for roads. school. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think so. I think so. There's been several cities who have actually taken steps to do that. And then they've had their utilities sue them. And and some of them have won and some of them have lost, you know, where they've Seriously. gotten actually providing Wi-Fi, uh, citywide Wi-Fi has been blocked by the courts saying that, no, you had agreements with these other people for, you know, X amount of time or in perpetuity or for the next 10 years. And so you can't uh, you, you can't now say you're going to compete against them or provide alternative sources. So what yeah. if, what if OK, so what if the the the, the agreement was with the city and then the school district is the one who decided to provide the universal Wi-Fi. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think there would be probably battles as to who's, like, um, um, who has the authority to offer, you know, services within a certain area. You know, they might oh say the school, does, the school district doesn't have standing to provide those services in, in, in lieu of existing contracts that were handled by the city. And it's really oh. weird is because the school districts very often overlap multiple cities. And so one city may fight it. Another city may say, great, do it, you know. Uh, 
um, yeah, I, you know, there's just, I, I'm with you. I think that, that, that we should, uh, I, I would be all for passing a law saying that anybody who, any, any government agency that wants to, to provide universal internet access should be not only allowed to do it, but, but have a pool of funds that are available to them. I mean, that's, to me, that's as important as, you know, good roads and, and, uh, you know, electrical service and, and, and clean water. Um, I mean, it's, it's right up there with those things in today's modern world. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I just think think that there's, yeah. When you've got, you know, service providers doing things that seem very counter to the public benefit in order to maintain their stranglehold on providing a service. And that's exactly what's happening. And I'm sure they, they frame it differently, but that's what's happening you know we have our incentives set up wrong if that's what's happening and it is so yeah i i I, it just seems to me the school districts are providing hot spots to you know all of their students doesn't it make more sense to have um uh have them provide um you know internet access to everybody who you know who lives in a particular area and then people it would be incumbent upon people to 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 purchase vpns or that sort of thing to have some sort of security but um uh it just seems like that might be cheaper in the long run and the thought that that would be blocked is yeah. to me is insane yeah no i i'm on i'm on the same page i think that that if if covid i mean of the many lessons we've learned from dealing with covid one of them is is that our infrastructure in terms of our information technology is got all kinds of gaps in it and that we need to step up and fix that and make it you know available to people everywhere um, and relying on uh, you know companies to do that is not you know it's there's not a, a um, necessarily a commercial interest in it unless we set it up that way that there is but there is definitely a community interest in having good internet um, you know, and I'm sort of of the opinion, I guess, if you want to summarize it, is that government's job is to to set the incentives right to get things done for communities. And and then, you know, if the incentives are, are correct, then you'll get the correct responses that you want out of things. And too often the incentives are, you know, from 1957 instead of, you know, and it's like, well, the incentives, uh, you know, the, what we need has changed. So the incentives now need to change. And those incentives are usually created in the form of laws and regulations. And so we really need to rethink some of this. Um, yeah, because anything that's 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 causing a an Internet provider to to shut down the expansion of Internet services so that they can be the sole source um, is probably not to the benefit of the society at large. Yeah. So, hey, did you hear that Lady Gaga got her dogs back? Uh, no, I had not heard that. I had not heard yeah. that. I, yeah. And, I mean, it, go ahead. No, the thing that bothers me about the way that that was covered was it's like, oh, no, Lady Gaga's do- dogs were taken. Oh, yeah. And some guy yeah. died. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, he he didn't die. He got shot. And he's OK. He's recovering. Oh, what the a, dog walker. What a, but yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, and apparently he's recovering and doing well, and she has heaped praise upon him. She's actually out of the country right now doing some project or something. Uh, and so um, uh, I guess it was her, one of her relatives, her mom or something like that, that was like at her place watching the dogs, but the walker came to go get them. 
Uh, but anyway, apparently some woman found them tied up to a streetlight and, uh, oh. and called the police and said, hey, there's these dogs tied up to the streetlight, and they were hers. And so, you know, I'm sure there's an ongoing investigation, but theoretically that woman will get the reward that Gaga had offered for for finding the dogs. Um, hopefully they find the bozos who, who shot that poor man. And, you know, but yeah, you're right. You know, it was like, yeah, it's these terrible, terrible, terrible. These dogs were stolen. Oh, yeah, this guy got shot, too. <laughs> you know? And the video was horrible to listen to. I mean, you hear this guy just screaming in pain and to try to, well, screaming to say, no, 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 don't shoot me. Don't, you know, and, and he, and he's trying to, you know, he grabs one of the dogs and, and won't let go of it, but he's, there's three there, um, you know, uh, which pulls at my heartstrings because I have three, you know, and it's like, if somebody attacks you, you know, it's not like you even choose which one you're going to try to protect. You're trying to protect all of them. Right. But you can't grab all three of them simultaneously. So you grab the one that's closest to you, I guess. I just, you know, I feel so bad for that poor guy. You know, um, thank goodness he's going to be okay. But like I said, I hope they find those guys, you know. I mean, not that it's like the biggest, most horrible thing going on in the world right now, but, you know, stealing somebody's animals. Like, yeah. really? But apparently, uh, one of the things that I heard them say is that they don't think that they were taken because they were gagas. They were taken because French bulldogs are a hot commodity right now and you can sell them for a lot of money. And so, and he had three of them. And so they targeted him not even realizing whose dogs they were they just wanted to steal them. and the sad thing is is if it was not her dogs nobody would care. probably would have been in the news nobody would have cared right somebody's yeah. three dogs got stolen and some guy got shot and it might have gotten you know a quick mention on the news and then you know on to the next story i i have to be honest with you i don't understand why um uh, French bulldogs are so popular. I think they're the ugliest little dogs. I I am not a fan. <laughs> and forgive me to anyone yeah. who loves them, but I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I they're not a they're not a breed that I would go out of my way to 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 own or to have or to you know to to uh, be my fuzzy buddy. But um, uh, I know. Uh, a family, one of the swim team families that I know had, has or had, I, I coached them years ago, had a French bulldog that was sweet, sweet, sweet dog. But uh, yeah, they're they're kind of you know sort of like the um, the uh, uh, was it the Boston Terriers, right? They've got that pushed in nose, so they generally have like breathing problems and stuff because of their breeding and you know not not as much as English bulldogs. They've got their faces just flat. They, you know, they've got all kinds of uh, nasal and breathing issues, and they tend to snore and slobber. And I guess you find that adorable. Then, <laughs> that said, I you know I my, my my dogs are all like you know got distorted short legs, so they look weird too. So and dachshunds have their their uh, issues, you know, their health issues that are typical to the breed. So. You know, I don't know. I think I think, you know, anybody who's an animal lover, uh, you know, if if you rescued a puppy of whatever breed, they find a way to worm themselves into your heart. <laughs> and you just, you know, when you love him and you go like, yeah, he's gross and disgusting, but but he's our gross and disgusting, you know. Yes. So. Yes. So with that, we are out of time. <gasps> we are. Time flew. 
It did. Wow, that was a quick Monday. So we'll be back again on Tuesday. Aaron, don't work too hard. I know you're you're getting that 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 uh, grant done, but uh, take a moment to smell the roses and uh, and good luck. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks thank for you. joining us. Thanks for joining us. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you.